Hey, you found us. This is a podcast of Carbon Valley Lutheran Church in Firestone, Colorado, just north of Denver. We here at CVL firmly believe that community is built, not found, that it's local, not virtual. So we encourage everyone to find a local church and help them build their community and be a service to them. With that said, we pray that these podcasts supplement and not replace your spiritual journey. If you'd like to learn more about us at CVL, you can check us out on Facebook or on the web at carbonchurch.com, or even better, stop by in person. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this wonderful Christmas Eve evening. Tonight, our theme is going to be, and on the earth, peace. And we're going to talk specifically about that concept of peace. Now, what comes to your mind when we use that word? Maybe even as you came into church here this evening, as you saw the title on the bulletin, and you said, okay, pastor's going to talk about peace tonight, what was the first thing that came to your mind? I'm guessing it varies, right? Based on who you are, maybe your experiences, maybe some of your experiences with peace, but I would guess that uh, in part you maybe fall into two different categories, When you see that we were going to talk about peace on Christmas Eve, on Christmas, uh, you might have been one of those that said, yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Like, if they were going to talk about something at a church on Christmas Eve, peace sounds like a decent theme, right? But there's some others of you that maybe heard that topic of peace, and rather than thinking that sounds about right, you might have been thinking, yeah, that's not going to happen, right? Maybe you heard that topic of peace and you're, 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 you didn't do it in front of me, but in your mind, your eyes rolled. Say, so, oh no, here we are again. We're showing up for one night during the year on Christmas Eve and we're going to talk about peace and then we're all going back home to our houses and to our families and do we find that there? Now, my guess is you kind of fell into one or the other of those categories. Um, here's the good news, you're not alone in those categories. And here's the even better news, there is good reason for us on a Christmas Eve in a church to really dig into, and to really chew on what does the Bible say about peace? What expectations should we have in our lives for that concept of peace? And so tonight, that's what we're going to dig into. And I'm giving you a forewarning uh, that you're going to have to chew on this just a little bit. So it's more than just sentimentality, right? It's more than just let's talk about peace on earth, even though in our regular lives we know that that's not happening at all. Tonight, you got to bear with me because we're going to dig into it a little bit. But here's my encouragement. You're going to get to leave with real biblical peace that we find in Christ. I think that's more important these days than ever. In 1914, the world had been at war for about five months. And some have maybe heard this story from time to time. Um, But the war had been raging for about five months. And if you know anything about World War I, uh, those wars were fought primarily with trench warfare, right? Uh, And so ideally, what they would do is uh, opposing armies would simply build trenches, dig trenches, and they would sit in them. And they would make occasional rushes across no man's land. But generally, this 
was what their life looked like during World War I. Uh, usually those trenches were filled with water. Uh, if you were unlucky and it was the winter time, that water would then freeze, freeze solid. That battle of World War I had been raging for about five months in 1914. This is what that no man's land looks like in between those trenches. This, if you can read at the bottom, was actually a forest at one point. Just pockmarked with artillery holes, dead bodies, and bullets that are whizzing by. That's what World War I was like. Uh, except, on one night, Christmas Eve of 1914. On that night, something strange happened. The Germans were lined up on one side, the British, the Scottish, and the French were lined up on the other side. The Americans hadn't entered the war yet, and, and they were all sitting there. And one of the eyewitnesses said there was an eerie silence that night that he hadn't heard at any point during the war. Because norm, normally what he heard were artillery shells exploding. He heard the whizzing of bullets going past their head. Occasionally they would see a, a charge across the no man's land, only to watch men be mowed down by bullets. But on that night, December 24th, 1914, he said it was eerily quiet. It was Christmas Eve, right? He said you didn't hear anything. And he said, I knew there was something wrong. But he wasn't sure quite what it was. As those men in those trenches sat there, in the eerie silence of their Christmas Eve celebrations, in the misery of their Christmas Eve celebrations, all of a sudden, the English, Scottish, and French saw some lights coming from the trenches of the Germans. First it was one candle, and then a second candle, and then another candle, and so forth, all the way down the line. And they wondered what was happening. Why were the Germans giving away their trench line? Why were candles being lit? And then all of a sudden they heard one of the German military officers, one of the soldiers yell, Merry Christmas, Englishmen! Crisp, clear English. You can imagine maybe their reaction. Uh, lots of things were going through their head. And they said that, that they assumed that it was some kind of trick. Like they're just being friendly, right? They're trying to pull us out of our trenches uh, because they're going to mow us down. They're going to shoot us. But they heard it over and over again. Merry Christmas, Englishmen. And eventually, the French, the English, and the Scottish responded. Merry Christmas. All of a sudden, Merry Christmases were going back and forth. And then they started to hear a song. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. They didn't know much German, but they recognized the tune. Silent Night, Holy Night. Pretty soon, the Germans, the French and the English and the Scottish, were all singing Silent Night from their respective trenches on Christmas Eve of 1914. It's an amazing story. Uh, you've maybe heard it before. It's actually called The Christmas Truths. Um, it's been made into movies and things like that. It started on that Christmas Eve with the singing of Silent Night with those candles, but it progressed from there. Those men ceased fighting one another, and for one night and one day, 
They did nothing other than celebrate Christmas. They came out of their trenches. Uh, they played soccer matches. They traded uh, souvenirs and memorabilia. They took solemn moments to be able to bury their dead and retrieve their dead from no man's land. But for that single night and the day that followed on Christmas Day, there was peace during World War I of 1914. It's a beautiful story, right? I, I think even maybe even made even more amazing because it's true. Because it actually happened. And no commander and no high-ranking official ordered it. These were the men who were in their respective trenches who said on this Christmas Eve, we will celebrate the birth of Christ. And we're going to do it together. Christmas truce. Peace on Christmas Eve in 1914. It's a beautiful story, right? And I think it highlights and it illustrates, at least in our minds, what peace is. On some level, we, we maybe define peace as the cessation of the stopping of battles, the stopping of fighting, like just where, where people are able to put down their arms and put down their verbal jabs and there can be peace. On that 1914, Christmas Eve 1914, that's exactly what those folks found. And tonight, that's what we want to find. But again, here's my challenge for you. We're going to dig a little bit deeper, to be honest, deeper than just the stopping of a war for a single night and day on 1914. Tonight, we want to look a little bit deeper into what does God say about peace? What does God give us, um, what lessons does he give us from Scripture that we ought to take home with us and actually put into practice in our everyday living. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. The theme is going to be on, and on earth peace. And we're going to look at three different areas, three different aspects of peace that God pulls out for us uh, from Scripture. You're welcome to follow along. Some of you know this if you're members here at CVL. Um, but I've got a little bit of some notes and things in your bulletin. You're welcome to fill those in if you like. If you're a good studious person, you're going to put in every last blank. If you're like me, then you probably didn't take very good notes. Actually, you just waited and watched who was taking good notes, and then you borrowed theirs later. So, so you can do that as well. Um, you're welcome to follow along in your bulletin if you'd like to do that. Uh, but tonight, what we want to look at, what we want to focus on, is that concept of peace. Not necessarily what we see in the world around us, or what we don't see in the world around us. But most importantly, how does God define peace within the pages of Scripture. Now, what you're looking at here are, these are the two main words that are used for peace within the Bible. So, the first one there is shalom. You've maybe heard that word before. That's from the Hebrew Old Testament. That's the exact word that was used in our first lesson tonight from Isaiah, right? Where Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Second one there is the Greek New Testament. That's the word irene, which also means peace. Now, you might be thinking, I wasn't, in for, I wasn't up for a, a language lesson for Christmas Eve. Like, I thought I was just going to get to light a candle tonight, right? But you're in luck because we get to go a little bit deeper. But here, here's what you need to know about the two words that God uses consistently on the pages of Scripture for peace. They have incredible depth. Shalom is this idea of everything being in its place. So not just the, the stopping of a war and battle, and fighting, but that everything is in its place. 
So things work like they're supposed to work. Like if you had shalom, if you had peace, then your relationships worked and you treated each other like you were supposed to treat one another. Husbands and wives and their marriages actually worked alongside one another, right? So shalom is this idea of, of, of everything in its place, everything with its purpose, and everything working beautifully and harmoniously together. So that's the Old Testament view of peace. Now, the New Testament writers actually picked up on that. So this Greek word, irene, which means peace, uh, in, in the uh, early Roman Empire, that word peace, more, most literally translated was just rest. So if you talked about irene, you needed to get some irene, you needed to get some rest. But the New Testament writers took that word and filled it with all the things that shalom also meant. And so, whether it's shalom or irene, we're talking about more than just not fighting. We're talking about lives that, that operate and move as they should. But here's the most important thing to know from both these words. And this is consistent, Old Testament or New Testament. Um, it, not, it doesn't make a difference what context is there. Old Testament and New Testament is consistent in that that peace extends from God above to us here on earth. Does that make some sense? So consistently, the Old Testament writers and the New Testament will talk about the concept of peace, but most directly that it comes from God and it's given to us as a gift. Now, does it play out in our lives, in how we treat one another and in the actions of what we do? Absolutely. And you'll get evidence of that within the pages of Scripture. But at its core, when Scripture talks about peace, it's something that God blesses humankind with. That's important to remember as we celebrate Jesus' birth. God is the one that sends us peace. Okay? Now, let's jump into our text. We've got a few blanks you're welcome to fill in if you'd like. First aspect of peace that we want to look at is that peace is pain and payment. Okay? Peace is pain and payment. We're going to see that as the shepherds are approached and as the angels uh, actually proclaim Jesus' birth to those shepherds. So you're welcome to follow along with me. We're going to read verses 10 and 11. The angels said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What was the shepherds' reaction to the angels in front of them? Fear. Would you have reacted differently? It's interesting to think through, right? But we ask ourselves, why? Why would those angels, or why would those shepherds rather, react with fear when these angels appeared to them? Well, I think it's because the shepherds knew exactly what we know. Is that along with peace, there's lots of pain, Right? See, the shepherds understood how sinful they were, how, how um, unworthy they were, and now they were in the presence of celestial beings. And so their reaction, reaction I think, is pretty normal. They react with fear. So much so that the first thing the angels have to say to them is, don't be afraid. In fact, if you look on the pages of Scripture, every time that angels appear to humans, what's the first thing they have to say to them? Don't be afraid. <laughs> Because I get really good stuff is coming, but don't be afraid first, right? So that's what these angels 
say to these shepherds. So I think on some level, these shepherds understood a lack of peace and the pain that comes along with it. Remember our opening story uh, from the Christmas truce? This is a quote from one of the last remaining survivors of that battle. Um, he, he was recalling kind of those events of that night. His name is Alfred Anderson. And he talks a little bit about the amazingness of that night. But you're going to see that he adds a little bit at the end. Let me read this for you. It says, I remember the silence, the eerie sound of silence. Only the guards were on duty. We all went outside the farm buildings and just stood listening. And of course, thinking of people back home, all I'd heard for two months in the trenches was the hissing, cracking, and whining of bullets in flight, machine gun fire, and distant German voices. But there was a dead silence that morning right across the land as far as you could see. We shouted, Merry Christmas, even though nobody felt merry. The silence ended in the, in the afternoon and the killing started again. It was a short peace in a terrible war. It's a short peace in a terrible war. I think we can understand a little bit, can't we? As much as that opening story is a made-for-TV, uh, made-for-a-movie moment, there are realities to the peace and the life that we live. Alfred recalls some of it. It was a short piece in a terrible war. And I think we understand that as well, don't we? I don't know what's brought you here tonight. I don't know if you're finding CVL for the very first time. I don't know if you've been with CVL for lots and lots of years. I don't know if maybe you got dragged along with your family members who threatened that you would not get to open presents if you didn't come. In any case, it's important that you're here because of where you've come from. Because I think we understand this quote. As triumphant and as amazing as that story is, I think we understand that this is more the reality of our daily living. And you probably came here tonight with things like that, with pain. Maybe it's a relationship that is literally tearing at the seams on Christmas Eve as you sit here in a church. Husbands and wives, that aren't talking. Maybe it's grudges that have been held amongst family members for years. People that you would not dare invite to your house on Christmas. Maybe it's first Christmas Eve, first Christmas after the loss of a loved one this last year. The normal traditions, but now there's an empty seat where that loved one used to sit. Maybe it's just the pain of chronic illness suffering. Maybe you've got a loved one in the hospital. But here's the reality. Every single one of us sitting here tonight understands the pain of living, right? We understand how hard it is to actually attain peace because of how painful life can be. The shepherds understood that as they shook in front of those angels. I think we understand that here tonight as well. That's why it's good for us to understand what kind of peace God brings at Christmas. You remember this passage that I read. I want to point out one word in it. 
that the angels said. After they had calmed their fears, after they said, uh, shepherds, stop quaking, right? Stop shaking, stop being afraid. Uh, We're bringing you uh, good news and great joy. But this, I think, is the most concrete thing that you ought to hang on to as you go home here tonight. Because the angels say, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Today, this is happening. And here's why that matters. Because this isn't some future thing that we're hoping for. The peace that God puts in front of you here tonight isn't something that is wistful and off in the distance that I hope I can grab a hold of or maybe I get 10 minutes of peace and, peace and quiet to myself during a day but that's all I've got and then it's gone again. When you talk in pages of scripture, when God talks about peace, it's remarkably concrete terms and the angels say the very same thing because they say to the shepherds and they say to you today, this happened, this is happening today. A Savior is being born who is going to pay the price that our sins have earned. The angels go on to sing that praise. A company of angels. We might call it a platoon of angels, a militia of angels. They appear before these shepherds, but not in battle, not to mow them down, not to create hostility. But those angels are singing a song of glory. And they sing this, Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Two things about the angel's song that we ought to, we ought to look at. And remember, we're going back to our scriptural definitions of peace. Because in the pages of the Bible, peace primarily comes from God to humankind. And you see it once again here. The angels say, Glory to God in the highest heavens. The birth of this child would bring glory to God above. But who would be the recipients of the peace? You and I. And so in concrete terms, that's the peace that we celebrate at Christmas time. That a Savior that was promised for thousands of years was born in a stable in Bethlehem. That that same Savior lived his life perfectly and laid down it sacrificially for us on the cross. The peace you have is knowing that you are forgiven, that you are loved, and that you have a place in eternity. Not because of our our vain efforts at peace within our own relationships or our own lives. Not because we're such good people and we came out to church on a Christmas Eve. But because today, Christ was born on your behalf. And so you want biblical peace. Look no further than Jesus Christ And the life he lived on your behalf and laid down for you. In fact, that term today that the angel says gets spoken a few more times in Jesus' life. He comes to a man named Zacchaeus who was searching, who was not at peace, uh, who was looking for something more. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus and he says to Zacchaeus, Today, salvation has come to your home. Jesus says it again as he hangs on a cross with a thief on his right and on his left. And to the one, he says, today, you will be with me in paradise. This is not wishful thinking. This is not a a distant hope. This is the reality that Jesus Christ was born, lived, died, and rose again for you. And so peace is pain and it's payment, but not your payment. Jesus Christ. 
Which leads us to our next peace. Peace also permeates, okay? Peace permeates our lives. This is the reaction of the shepherds. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You get kind of a feeling that what they had seen in concrete terms, literally a baby in a manger, had an effect on them? Absolutely, right? They went back home glorifying God. And here's, I read a commentary, which I found this was very fascinating, is um, they went back home and you know what they went back to doing? Shepherding sheep. And at the same time glorifying God and letting the peace of Christ permeate their lives and their relationships and everyone that they were with. Shepherds did that. So did the early Christians. Peace be with you. Jesus says it multiple times throughout the pages of Scripture. The early Christians picked up on it, and peace be, you, be with you actually became an early greeting amongst Christians as they'd see one another. They'd walk up and say, peace be with you. And if you ever went to church with liturgy, what's the response? And also with you. Okay, so you're in good company because this has a long history. Early Christians would greet and say farewell. It's kind of like aloha, which is a greeting and a farewell. Peace be with you, right? That was a promise of what Christ had done, but also a future encouragement to let that peace permeate your lives. The peace of Christ to, in a sense, almost like ooze out of you as believers. And I think peace can do that. In fact, I think peace comes out in a, in a myriad of ways. I think peace can look like not fighting, which is wonderful, right? Maybe some of you are hoping for that later tonight. Just not fighting. Let's go for that peace, right? But I, I think peace can also look like happiness, right? And joy. I think peace can look like, like steadiness in the midst of suffering and pain. I think peace can look like listening and someone putting their arm around you and taking the time to actually hear the struggles that you have in your life. I think peace can even come out in your tears as you cry with one another at the loss of loved ones, at the fracturing of relationships. See, I think the reality of it is peace permeates every aspect of our lives. And you can see it You can feel it in a myriad of ways. Which brings us to our last peace. Peace is purposeful and it's planned. Okay? Purposeful and planned. Alfred Anderson's quote ended with that. It was a short peace in a terrible war. In 1915... After news had spread about the 1914 Christmas truce, guess what they wanted to do on Christmas Eve? What would you want to do? You want to do it again, right? You're like, we're going to replicate this thing. Like, we're going to play soccer. We're going to shut it down for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We're going to have a Christmas Eve truce. We're going to have Christmas truce on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, 1915. And reports say that there was a small smattering of it. But in large part, uh, the commanders that were in charge sent orders down the line. 
and said, no more. Don't do it. By 1916, no one did anything. The fighting didn't stop one iota. In fact, some reports say that it actually seemed like it increased on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And can you understand why a little bit? In 1914, they were about five months into World War I, and they'd lost a lot of friends. But by 1915, they had lost hundreds of thousands more. By 1916, they had lost thousands upon thousands upon thousands of their friends on both sides. And so no one wanted peace at that point. Things had set in. No one was offering. No one was stepping out. No one was willing to take that first leap. I think we can understand Alfred and his comment. And I think we can understand not only the Christmas of 1914, but also the one of 1915 and 1916. Because I think there's a temptation for us to fall into that very same thing. And that's why peace has to be purposeful and it has to be planned. And it can start with you tonight. As you go home, as you, you let the peace of Christ be driven down deeply into your hearts and into your being, and as it starts to permeate your reactions and how you act to each other and, and how you feel about yourself and your future, peace also can be put into plan or, or into process, right? And so you take the first step into no man's land. A grudge that's gone on for far too long, right? A relationship that's on the rocks at best. Peace can be planned and it can be purposeful. But it takes you to do it. It takes you empowered by the peace that you know you have in Christ to take the first step. To light a candle. To send a text. To make a phone call. Simply smile or put your arm around someone tonight or in the coming days. That's the peace that we celebrate on a Christmas Eve. Right? It's much deeper than just this sentimental idea that all of us readily admit never happens. But the peace you have in Christ with sins forgiven, I pray that that peace permeates who you are, your character, how you treat people. And lastly, my encouragement is you put that into practice. You be the peace that you know you have in Christ, in your families, in your relationships, in your celebrations here tonight. Now, I don't know how that will be received. When you step into no man's land, I do not know what will happen. You might get shot at a little bit. Okay? But when you do it, you're in good company because you join a long line, 2,000 years of believers and Christians who have taken the peace of Christmas and put it into practice in their daily living. And last but not least, God says he's going to be with you. Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 7, May the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which at times is even hard for us to understand, May it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Merry Christmas.